Father, we just uh, come before you and we, uh, we're reminded that we need your word to live. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, and including these scriptures we have heard. Help us to take them in as you desire us to this morning for each of us, that we may live in this world, this day, this hour, in and through and with Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So I, I don't Sabbath on Sundays. <laughs> and, uh, but like many pastors, I typically Sabbath on Mondays. And uh, an ideal Sabbath for me looks something like this. Starting the day reading some book that helps me see something of the the goodness and the beauty of God and the gospel, typically in some kind of poetic prose that helps me do that. Eating a delicious pastry, <laughs> uh, getting out on the water, somehow, some way, and then spending time with the family. So past, this past Monday, or actually two Mondays ago, this happened. All of these things happened in one day. I started the book of the year, the day, <laughs> reading this book by Hansers von Balthasar, who uh, you may not know, but he helps me see the beauty of God and the gospel like few can. That same day, Anna put me onto this pastry from Tate. It's called a, a roasted strawberry turnover. Oh my, it's really good. You gotta try it. And then uh, that evening, we were like, what are we gonna do as a family? And Cole had an idea. He said, let's, uh, let's get on our, our vehicles, so to speak, and head down to the Charles. So we all got onto different vehicles. Adam wasn't here, he was still in Virginia, but Cole got on his skateboard, Anna on her scooter, and I got on my bike, and we went down to the Charles, rode along the Charles, over the bridges, it was super fun, great time with family. Well, in the middle of the day, I went down the Charles on my stand-up paddleboard. That's another favorite Sabbath practice for me. And as I was paddling along, I look off to my left, and I see this huge water bug, and it's making huge ripples. So as I pass it, I got to get a closer look. So I circle back around, and as I get closer, I realize this wasn't a water bug at all. This was a poor little bee that got caught on the top of the water and was flapping its wings like crazy, trying to keep itself from going under the water. Well, one thing that was obvious was that this little guy needed some help. <laughs> so I took my paddle, and I, I scooped it up out of the water, and then I thought, you know, this guy's probably pretty tired. He needs a rest. So I put him on the front of my paddleboard. Just put him up, placed him on there, and he just sat there, and he joined me for the rest of the ride. <laughs> he was enjoying the Charles, letting me do all the work. And, uh, and then when I finally pulled off, he didn't want to get off. <laughs> so I'd gently take him and put him in a bush, and sadly, we parted ways. <laughs> well, do you see the metaphor with Sabbath, potentially? That bee is you and me. We're just working so hard. We're just trying to keep our head above water. And then God comes along and he just scoops us up because we're working ourselves to death and he puts us on his paddleboard, his Sabbath, to give us rest, to catch our breath and enjoy the ride with him, letting him do all the work. That's a sense of what the Sabbath 
should be about. Well, this is, is what can happen, right, if we remember to stop, like I mentioned a few weeks ago. If, this can happen if we stop to remember and surrender to the Lord, our God, who brings us up out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, out of the land of restless, endless overwork. That's what God does. This is going to be the final sermon on the, the Sabbath series we've been doing. And we're going to finish today by looking at Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath, as we heard in the Gospel reading, as the one who fulfills Sabbath for us, who gives us an even greater rest than the Old Testament did, more rest, more glorious even than what we see in the Old Testament. And it may seem like we've taken a break from our Holy Spirit Second Breath series, and in some ways we have, and we're actually going to come back to it again for the rest of August, starting next week when, when actually Anna, my wife, will be preaching. So make sure you come back and hear that. She's an awesome preacher. But uh, what I hope you've seen is that, in the, that the Holy Spirit has always been in the background here. I've tried to hide that, that along the way, as he always is, in whatever work God is doing, whether that's in creation or in redemption. I'm just going to highlight that more later this summer. But you look at creation, the Holy Spirit was there, present and active, which resulted in Sabbath. He was present and active in the Exodus. That resulted in Sabbath rest for the people of God. And he was certainly present and active in the New Testament, in the person, in the life of Jesus, anointing him and enabling him, in a sense, to give all kinds of people all kinds of rest. Really, second blessings, or second breath blessings that, taught, that took Sabbath to another level, that fulfilled Sabbath rest. And with this fulfillment in the New Testament, you notice a shift when it comes to the Sabbath, especially in the letters of Paul. For example, in his letter to the Roman church in chapter 4, verse 14, verses 5, he wrote this, One person considers one day more sacred, more special than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. This is even stronger, I think, in his letter to the Galatian church, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. Now, what happened here? <laughs> How could Paul, a Hebrew of Hebrews, say those kinds of things? I mean... The Jews were known, they were marked for having one day that was special, that was marked off, that was different. They were known for these festivals they had, these seasons. So, and there were strict penalties for not observing these. How can Paul just say, you know what? Just make sure you're convinced in your own mind and leave each other alone. <laughs> Go from there. What happened? Well, Jesus happened. Listen again to the end of our New Testament reading 
in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. We could put in there by whether you're wearing a mask or not. (laughs) Or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Now, that's a great summary of how the Old Testament and the New Testament relate to one another. What you find in the Old Testament, it's helpful to understand those things are a shadow of what was coming, what was fulfilled in Christ, what he gives us there. But just backing up, I think it's helpful to hear the first exhortation, how we should or shouldn't practice Sabbath Uh, that should be a matter of personal conviction and conscience. That's not something we should judge each other by. We shouldn't judge other people, other denominations. We shouldn't let them judge us by how we should or shouldn't practice Sabbath. If you look through the last 2,000 years, there's been a lot of disagreement, (laughs) a lot of different ways people have done Sabbath. Because, secondly, and more importantly, The reality is found now in Christ. That's what changes the game. Now, Jesus didn't abolish Sabbath rest, right? There still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God we are called to enter. That's what we're told in Hebrews. Jesus didn't abolish Sabbath. He came to fulfill it. Just like he said in the Sermon on the Mount, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, a lot of which was about the Sabbath. I came to fulfill it. So not less Sabbath, but more Sabbath for the people of God. I still think stopping, ceasing from work one day a week to rest in and remember who God is, to be refreshed in him, I think that is part of how we were created to be. And it's a good place to start practicing Sabbath rest. But that's not fully what Sabbath rest should mean for Christians, for believers. For believers, we should come to know the Lord of the Sabbath himself and start receiving his rest, his eternal rest that he starts to give us right here, right now, in this world, in this age. N.T. Wright, he has one of the best chapters I've come across on on how Jesus fulfills the Sabbath in the New Testament. In his book, Scripture and the Authority of God. It's a a short little book, and then the chapter is, of course, even shorter. It's worth a read. And he points out how in the New Testament, for example, Jesus is presented as a living, breathing, walking, talking temple. Temple. So the temple was that space where heaven and earth overlapped, so to speak, where God dwelled. That was his earthly address. But now with Jesus, that's no longer limited to a fixed building. Now that temple is in a living, breathing, walking, talking person, Jesus. 
So Paul put in his own words when he said, He is the one in whom all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That's, that's temple kind of language right there. In the same way, he argues, in the New Testament, Jesus is presented as a living, breathing, walking, talking Sabbath. So Sabbath, again, is the, is the time when heaven and earth, so to speak, overlap. Time and eternity overlap. And now that's no longer limited to one day, to a Saturday. That's the original day of the Sabbath. Or to a festival. Now it's found in a person. And so as Colossians puts it, Sabbath, as good as they are, they're a shadow now of that reality in Christ. So if Sabbath's no longer limited to a day, again, which would be Saturday, Sabbath rest is now found in a person. Now we can have Sabbath any day on a Sunday, as Christians have done for a long time. In fact, Sabbath can happen any time, any day we turn to him. That's how we need to start thinking as Christians, thinking about Sabbath. NT gives us illustration again. You don't light candles in the morning when the sun has just risen and the light is pouring in and flooding the room. Right? So he says, in the same way, we don't need to be lighting the Sabbath law candles, so to speak, when the Lord of the Sabbath and his Sabbath light is pouring now into any day and every day into any person who would receive it. In our gospel reading, Jesus didn't say, go to the temple on the Sabbath and then you will find rest. He said, what? Come to me and now I will give you rest. Learn from me. Stay with me long enough to learn from me and I will give you rest that reaches down to your soul. That's where our ultimate rest is now. Now, it's certainly no accident that Matthew, right after this passage where Jesus says, come to me and I'm going to give you rest, he goes right into what? A discussion about Sabbath. And Jesus naming himself as Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus, he's getting into trouble with the Pharisees because he's allowing his hungry disciples to eat grain from a field. And then he goes into the synagogue on a Sunday, on the, sorry, on a Saturday, uh, on the Sabbath. And he heals somebody. And they're thinking, he's breaking the Sabbath. He needs to get killed. And no, what's really happening is the Lord of the Sabbath is showing us the true day's intent. This is the day we should be relieved of burdens. That's what Jesus is doing on this day. And so now again, Jesus is a person... He's not limited to, to Saturday, the Sabbath. He's walking around as a living, breathing, walking, talking Sabbath on every day of the week, giving all kinds of rest to all kinds of people. Not just rest from sickness, but from, from the burdens of the Pharisees that they gave people, from demonic powers, from guilt, from sin, from death itself. 
So again, with Jesus, God's Sabbath rest is bursting out of Saturday's wineskins. And it's pouring out into every other day, into every other kind of burden that we encounter. So remember Pentecost. Back up to Pentecost. Pentecost was this a Sabbath of Sabbaths kind of festival, actually. And it was during this Sabbath festival that the ascended Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit on the, on the believers of that day. And he was, in a sense, relieving them, giving them rest from the curse of Babel. Reversing that. Bringing relief to that. Sabbath rest, really. But Jesus didn't just pour out the Holy Spirit on that Sabbath festival. He continued to pour out the Holy Spirit throughout the books of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, on other ordinary days to relieve people of all other kinds of burdens, whether it was, again, sickness and healings, or delivering people from guilt and sin, or believers from trials and tribulations, the Holy Spirit enabling people to overcome. But that was Jesus pouring out the Spirit, doing that beyond the Sabbath. So what this means is when we're, when we're weary, when we're bent over with burdens, as Eugene Peterson puts it in, in the message, we can come to him any time, any day, any place to receive that relief. We don't need to wait for a special day or a special place. We can turn to him any time. And we can just say, Lord, I need a little bit of the refreshing waters of the Holy Spirit. I just need a little drink right now. And he's willing to give it. Lord, I just need to learn from you how to rest in you. How to rest in your finished greater works. And he gives us the scriptures. And he teaches us from those how to rest in him. Jesus is not like Pharaoh. He doesn't work us to death. He has work for us to do. But he also gives us rest. He's not like the Pharisees who, who burden us with pointless rules, refusing to lift a finger to help us. So this take my yoke language, take my yoke upon you, that's what a, a rabbi would, dis, would say to a student coming into their school. Basically, come under my teaching. That's what the Pharisees would say. And yoke was an appropriate word for what they gave people. It was a burden. Yoke is, of course, what you would, this big, wooden, clunky contraption you would put on an ox for hard physical labor. And they were trying to say, look, you're going to come under my teaching? That's what it's going to be like. <laughs> and it was. The Pharisees had hundreds of rules from the moment you got up to the moment you got to bed. A script. Your whole day was scripted. <clears throat> well, Luke 11, Matthew 23, Jesus criticizes the Pharisees for this very thing at least the ones he's interacting with in the Gospels. He says, these are the ones who tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, they lay them on people's shoulders, and they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to help them. It's not the way of Jesus. And woe to us if that's what we do to people. Jesus had a different kind of yoke. And I think he's playing here with this image of yoke. If you understand what the Pharisees 
how they were using it. Because he says, his yoke is easy. I still don't always fully understand that. But one of the things is he didn't pile up tons and tons of extra rules for us to follow. He, if anything, simplified and clarified things. He's like, you want to know what the law and the prophets were about? Here it is. We hear it every Sunday we gather. It's about loving God with all that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what it's about. And John, in the Gospel of John, he says, you want to know what the work of God is? Let me tell you. It's to believe in the one, to trust the one God has sent. You want to get rest? Come to me. I'll teach you all about it. And of course, when he fails, he forgives us. And more than that, when he says to do whatever we're called to do, he gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper who helps us do everything, everything he asks us to believe or obey or do. It's not like the Pharisees. I think going from the yoke of the Pharisees to the yoke of Jesus, it's like going from a clunky heaven wooden yoke to a simple clean carbon fiber yoke. <laughs> so you know if you ride a bike, you want a carbon fiber bike that's light and smooth and fast and strong. That's more like what the yoke of Jesus is like. And, of course, mostly because he shares that burden, that yoke, with us. He carries the greater weight, always. And so if we're becoming more and more burdened and restless, of course we've got to ask some practical questions like, are we just getting enough sleep, exercise, a day off? Some real practical things sometimes we don't go to first. But another question to ask is, hey, maybe have we taken a burden that Jesus never gave us? What are the burdens you're carrying that you aren't supposed to be carrying? That's always a good question to ask. Or could it be that we're burdened and restless because the one we came to initially for rest, we've wandered from? We're no longer yoked with him. We're no longer learning from him how to receive rest from him, how to rest in him. The only one who can teach us how to find rest for our souls. I came across this quote about Jesus in the Sabbath. And it says this. It's from uh, Philip Carey. He wrote a book. He's a... Uh, a philosophy professor at Eastern University in Pennsylvania. He wrote a book called Good News for Anxious Christians, 10 Practical Things You Don't Have to Do. <laughs> Sounds like a good book. I haven't read it. I just read this quote. He said this, Every time we turn to Christ in faith, it is like a moment of Sabbath, a little foretaste of eternal rest, and glory. I hope if you remember everything, anything from this morning, you remember that. He goes on to say, the gift of the moment lies not in what we do, but in what we receive. It's true, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But we never can give things unless we first receive them. And we never get to a place where we are beyond receiving from God. 
That's arrogance to think that. We always need to be receiving from God every day. And every time we turn to Christ, it's like a mini Sabbath because we're receiving the Lord of the Sabbath himself who wants to give us a taste of his eternal rest. So I think that's, that's something of what your posture needs to be when we gather here on Sunday mornings. When you come for communion, you're coming to receive his Sabbath rest. That's something of what our neighborhood group gatherings should be about. Making time and space to receive that rest from Jesus. That's something of what our, neighbor, or our daily devotions, our daily office should be about. That's what our posture should be. A receptive posture towards Jesus. Now what I find hard to do is to remember just to turn to Jesus throughout my day. I get immersed in what I'm doing, the tasks, even church things, and I can actually forget about Jesus, even in that. Uh, so here's what I did. And I'm going to finish with this. I, I got this free app called Chime, and uh, it's made by Blacktree if you want to get it yourself. But it has this little subtle chime you can put that, uh, that goes off, say, from, you can set the time from 9 a.m. if you want to uh, 9 p.m., and it can go off, say, every hour or two. I decided to go for every 15 minutes. I read, um, I was reading something about Frank Laubach, if you know who he is. He had this thing called Game with Minutes. He was trying to think about God every minute. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that yet, but I could try every 15 minutes. And so every time, though, it chimes, or, or I said it to vibrate sometimes, I just use that as a reminder to briefly turn to Jesus. And usually for like a quick Anne Lamont kind of prayer, if you know her book, help, thanks, wow. Just a quick prayer like that. Jesus, help me with this task. Help me with this burden. Jesus, thank you for this good gift. Jesus, wow, you're good. <laughs> Sometimes it bleeds into all three of those or more. Um, but when I do that, I just find I'm just reoriented to reminded of the goodness of the Lord. And I get refreshed. A little mini Sabbath every 15 minutes. It's been one of the best things I've done. Because to turn to him, again, is to turn to a living, breathing, walking, talking Sabbath. He wants to give us refreshment, relief from every burden we carry. Any day, any time, we turn to him. Maybe so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being so good. For not being like Pharaoh or the Pharisees. For being a God of rest. And for giving us rest in Jesus. Lord, help us as you do in all things through the Holy Spirit, through the Helper, Help us to come to the Lord of the Sabbath to receive his rest as often as necessary. To your glory, to your purposes in Jesus, we pray. Amen.